Hey everyone, welcome to Industry Headlines. Kevin Kaufman and Fred Weaver here with you, where we're going to look back at the last seven days or so and uh, deliver to you the headlines that jumped out to us in the real estate mortgage industry. So let's start with uh, some of the headlines, Kevin. Uh, more disruption coming to the Phoenix, Arizona uh, area. <laughs> Shocking. Cul-de-sac, uh, the first, the United States' first car-free neighborhood. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I, I noticed that I thought this article was interesting recently that I read a couple places. The Gen Z FICO score beats out millennials and Gen X. That's kind of interesting. We'll talk about that. And then uh, Freddie Mac in the news recently. Uh, loan limit increase coming and also some expectations for what's to come in the mortgage and housing market in 2020 and beyond. So let's start with, uh, let's start with the disruption going on in Arizona, because this is the, that home of where all disruption starts, right? Yeah, so cul-de-sac Tempe is going to be a thousand person development set to open up next fall, so 2020, mm -hmm. um, here in, obviously in Tempe, Arizona, where our office is. And it's gonna be the world's uh, first car, non-car, neighborhood they're calling it like post car real they're calling themselves post car real estate developers so first of all that's so of, stupid that's well, such a bougie a, name yeah so, post car it's so not like postmodern. i hate so, words like so that. i read multiple articles and sources on this because this made its way around the news it was featured on forbes it's in a lot of different places right and um so one of the founders actually started at uh, was with open door he right. left there in 2018 to become one of these real estate developers so it's, it's Here's what's interesting. I think there's some interesting stuff to it. And then I, I think like there's the some like hype to it, right? Like some For good sure. marketing buzz to it. First of all, it's an apartment complex. So let's just start there. Okay. So the way that they kind of, they come out and they talk about it, like it's housing, it is housing, but it's apartments, not people that own. Which leads me to say, okay, like maybe somebody can live anywhere for a year knowing that like they could go without a car for a year. Um, I do think that we will get to a place in our society where we don't all own cars. I don't know that we're there yet. So I think they might be a little early here on the bell curve, if you will. But, well, I, I mean, okay, so Tempe is that kind of city though. This is per it's perfect for Tempe. It is. Because of the light rail, because there is Students a lot of- Students that go to Arizona yeah, State University. There's a lot of walkable space in Tempe. Like ha not having a car isn't new to people that live in big cities, like think like a New York City or San Francisco or Correct. other places with big downtowns. It's not a new concept. Um, so, I mean, that that happens a lot. Yeah, so what's interesting is they've raised $10 million so far in venture capital. They've already broke ground on this project. They're set to open in fall of 2020. And we might be starting this episode over because Alexa is going off in the background and I don't know anything that we had to say about Alexa. So. This is quite interesting, but I can keep going if you'd like me to. Just keep or, going, Fred. We'll start over. We'll just keep going. Just keep let's, going. Let's turn Alexa off. So, um, so built into this thousand-person facility is a restaurant. Um, there's going to be a grocery store within walking distance, gym, etc. Um, I read one of the articles I read said that there's actually um, like you know, if you need furniture dropped off, you still need to get a vehicle into the complex. So there's some small roads, if you will, into the complex, but there's no parking on the complex. There's um, set aside uh, designated space for Uber, Lyft, if you will, rideshare pickup. Um, so it, it's just interesting. Like, I think it can work if you're a young 20s going to Arizona State or you work in Tempe. I think where Phoenix is not quite the same as some of the cities you mentioned earlier, New York City, Chicago, is that you can't get all around the Phoenix area um, with, without taking very expensive Uber and Lyft rides places. 
Yep. So, I mean, maybe you can grab like a bird scooter or a lion scooter and go for a ride. That was also mentioned in some of this miles. stuff. Yeah, so biking, scooters, etc. But um, I don't know about 10 or 15 miles. But anyway, I think it's interesting. Uh, I, I, it's right near where you and I work. So I'll be interested to drive by it uh, soon. It's 16 acres on Apache Road and uh, Apache Boulevard River Road. You won't be parking there. but you I won't be parking. It. I'll be driving by. Exactly. All right, so moving on. Uh, Gen Z FICO score beats out millennials and Gen X, right? So this is the young Gen Z, for those of you that don't know, because I don't keep up with all this stuff. Um, these are people that were born in 1995 or later. Okay, so you don't qualify for that. I don't qualify for that at all, no. Um, but they have an average FICO score of 637, according to a report that was recently done by Lending Point. Yeah, so 637, which, by the way, like whether that sounds high or low to you, just get, put it in perspective, that's the... The overall average is 634. So three points higher. That's actually pretty big when you consider how many people there are in all these different age groups. Yeah, baby boomers, as an example, people born between 46 and 64 have a FICO average of 645, also according to Lending Point, right? Um, and then it went on to say that I think it was uh, 634 was the average for everybody, and millennials are at 632. Uh, born between 81 and 96. This whole like millennial, it's so, I'm technically Gen X, which just seems weird to me because I was born in 80. So this whole thing is weird. I'm not into all that. But anyway, I, what I think is interesting about this article is, is just that the youngest generation has, a, has obviously the shortest credit history, but they're not getting into debt as quickly. And I think a lot of it is like if you grew up with parents who went through foreclosure or short sales or bankruptcies or had high credit card debt through 2007 through 2012, let's call it. Um, I think you might be a little gun shy to just go out and spend a lot of money or not pay your bills because you watched your family, if you will, go through that. Situation. Yeah, think about that time, right? So if you're born in 95 or 96, you're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old during kind of like the worst time in, in history from, from a credit standpoint. Not right. history, but in recent uh, history. Recent history, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I could see that. Like a little, it's kind of like, you know, you think about people who were born, uh, you and I probably both had relatives who were either born in the Depression era or right after, and there was a very conservative approach from yes. a lot of those folks, right? Very, very much uh, like, hey, got to save every penny. Don't overextend yourself to, to the extreme after a big, big deal like that. So that it's not too surprising. Yeah. So in interesting stuff. You see, interesting to see how some of those numbers play out over time. So um, Freddie Mac in the news a lot. I think uh, probably the most notable thing for real estate mortgage professionals out there is that the loan limit has now increased for Freddie and Fannie to over a half a million dollars. Like that just sounds big. I've been in real estate now for 15 years, but so to see that number grow and grow and grow, um, mind you, loan limits didn't actually move at all from 2006 to 2016. So there was a 10-year period where we saw wow. no increase on conforming loan limits from Fannie and Freddie. And then all of a sudden, over the last three, four, five years, you're seeing those loan limits have gone up every single year. Uh, 2019's level, if you don't know, is 484,350. Uh, 2020's maximum level looks to be about, it's going to go at about $510,400. That's crazy. I mean, that's a big, that's a really significant jump. It's not purchase um, price limit. This is loan limit, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. So if you got even just 10% down, you're, you're really looking in that 550, 560, 570 range uh, for purchase. That's, that's a big jump. Uh, interesting to see what's going on with that. Fannie and Freddie doing that. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what is it that made them go, you know, the 10 year period with no changes to now we've got a couple changes that we get and such a big jump too. 
Yeah, this is significant. It's almost a hundred grand more than what it was just a few years ago. Just a few years ago. It is. I mean, it was it four, actually is. It was four seventeen just a handful of years ago. Uh huh. And so now we're over five ten. Yep. In twenty nineteen. Yeah. Twenty twenty. So, Bernie Mac also coming out uh, this week talking about what to expect in the housing market in twenty twenty and kind of beyond. And you know, I'll let you jump into that. But before we do, uh, it was Fannie and Freddie. I think it was. I think it was Freddie Max. Um, kind of finance folks that came out at the beginning of this year and said, hey, we're going to actually see interest rates go backwards. And they, they were on record long before everybody else was mm -hmm. and before it even happened. And what happened? Interest rates started going back down when I think predominantly the mindset coming into 2019 was they were going to go up this year. I feel like as a real estate professional, we've been talking, we've been expecting mortgage rates to just go up and up and up. So we found them a year ago, roughly 12 months ago, they were up. They had nearly about 5%, if you will. Right. And then over, you know, middle of this year and actually maybe second quarter of this year. And then again, later in the, in the year, we saw them come down back in the three to 4% range. Right. Which is pretty crazy. What I think is interesting, interesting here is that Freddie Mac's actually predicting that they're going to stay around the levels that they're at right now through not just 2020, but also 2021. That's what caught me when I read this is I was like, wow, they're actually going and predicting interest rates staying this low for two straight years, not just one year. That's pretty, that's a pretty big statement. And if that is to be true, like if that actually plays out, um, man, that keeps the housing market, that keeps a, you know, kind of a, you know, pushing, pushing upwards, if you will, on housing market and refinances, things like mm -hmm. that. So interesting times um, financially. I'm curious what this is going to mean for us, say, in 2022 or 2023. Be interesting to watch. Uh, I'll end on this. The Mortgage Bankers Association sort of tying all this in. They came out and they, they've now showed that in 2019, like obviously the year's not over, but when they're, you know, assuming things stay where they're at, they're forecasting that this will actually be the best year for refis since, uh, excuse me, since 2016 and the best year for purchase mortgages since 2006. So think about that for a minute, right? We're talking a 13 year period of time that interest rates have never been better for a home purchase. Like, so if I'm a real estate professional out there, I'm getting the news out that there hasn't been a better time to buy a home interest rate wise than there is right now over the last 13 years. And that, oh, also by the way, Fannie and Freddie have raised the conforming loan limit up to over a half a million dollars. That's I'd be spreading that message. 2020, that's gonna make that interesting. Low, low interest rates, higher conforming loan limits, yeah. Let's see what happens. Let's roll those dice. Yeah, here we go into 2020. More predictions coming soon, I'm sure. Thanks for joining us for Industry Headlines. We'll see you back here next week. Bye. Hey, everyone. Fred Weaver here. I interrupt this important podcast to remind you that NLA Live 2020 is around the corner. NLA Live 2020 will be held in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Talking Stick Resort. Is it a beautiful hotel and casino? And we have an incredible lineup of speakers that we'll be announcing here shortly. You can find out more information and get the very best deal on pricing by visiting nextlevelagents.com and clicking on our events page. We look forward to seeing Seeing you there again nextlevelagents.com and click on the event page hey that's it for today thanks so much for your time really appreciate it if you found this valuable do us a favor please review us on itunes or wherever you're listening and share this with your friends and for more great content check out kevinandfred.com that's kevinandfred.com we'll see you soon